This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, it's me, Anita Flores. Let me just get to one very pressing matter before I say anything else. Yes, I am aware of the Fraser revival. How did I feel when I first saw the news? Uh, I'd say elated. And I think regardless of who was involved in this revival, though I suspect if Kelsey Grammer is signing on, I think a long time ago he said he wouldn't I think, do like another version of Frasier without, you know, the rest of the gang. So I feel fairly confident that they're going to be involved. But let's be honest here. It doesn't really matter what ends up on screen. If Frasier, if it has anything to do with the show, I'll be watching it. But I'm curious, is anyone here interested in me doing recaps of this revival? If this idea interests you at all, uh, tweet me. Let me know if you think I should do new episodes of I'm Listening that are recaps of the Paramount Plus revival. And of course, you can tweet me at Anita Jutina. So today's episode is a delight. Keep in mind that this episode with Carmen Rios, uh, the lovely Carmen Rios, was recorded almost two years ago. Uh, one positive update I'd like to add, even though I did casually mention it in the previous episode in the intro, is I am engaged to be married. Thank you very much. I I, I mean, I, I felt like I wanted to bring it up because I do reference my boyfriend in this episode. And yeah, I needed to correct that. I am engaged famously. You know, if you want to see pictures of the ring, just um, tweet me. I'll take any excuse to show it off. Just wanted to get that very important thing off my chest. And I just wanted to mention, I know I've mentioned uh, her before, but this podcast wouldn't be possible without my producer, Caitlin Moldenhauer, and more Banana Productions. So thank you. And without further ado, please enjoy my chat with Carmen Rios. Welcome to I'm Listening. This is a Frasier fan podcast hosted by number one Frasier fan, me, Anita Flores. Each new episode, we have a special guest, and today is no different. Today, we have a feminist editor and podcaster who is currently the managing digital editor of Miss Magazine and the host of Bitch Media's Propaganda Podcast. Please welcome Carmen Rios to the podcast. Carmen, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good. It's always exciting uh, to to have a, a fellow uh, craniac on the podcast. I am, <laughs> I am curious of the origins of your last name. Are you perchance Latinx? I am. Yes, I am Puerto Rican and Italian. All right. So you are a this is exciting. This is the first Puerto Rican fan we've had. I'm a, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm Latinx. I'm uh, Peruvian. But uh, this is the first time that we've had a Puerto Rican uh, craniac on the, uh, slash Italian Frasier fan on the podcast. So uh, wel- <laughs> wel- welcome. Yay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So let's uh, let's start with your history. I'm always curious how people uh, get into Frasier. So what is your history with the show? How did you start watching it and when? Yeah, I mean, I think I obviously watched Frasier growing up. It's one of my mom's favorite shows. Um, I I know I'm like sort of dating myself, but I was old enough that I'm pretty sure I was watching it in real time as the episodes were coming out. Um, but it wasn't until 
my, I guess it would be my senior year in college when I was working on my capstone project, I really fell into an actual Frasier wormhole where I would sort of stay at home for days at a time without seeing another human being and just put Frasier on Netflix up on my, like in the corner of my screen. And I watched the entire show, like season one through season 11. And it was just so deeply comforting that I started doing it over and over and over again. So I've now just seen the show, you know, it's sort of the show I put on if I'm stressed out. It's the show I put on if I have nothing else to watch. And it's also just like, I love it. It's so comforting. I know it so well. And yeah, so that was sort of the way I fell into the wormhole. I guess I never really came back out. <laughs> that is, well, I would say that is the, I've never heard anyone um, specify exactly how I like to watch shows in the little corner of my laptop screen, <laughs> truly. And so I'm so glad that you actually said it what I I do that, which means other people do that other than you and I like I I definitely, especially as a person who mostly works from home at this point doing like freelance stuff, uh, I love to have something in the background. So um, and then when you're like doing work and stuff, it's nice to just have it in a teeny tiny screen on like the left or the right hand side. And it for me, if I'm doing that, it's got to be a show that isn't going to necessarily uh, take away all of my attention from my actual task at hand. So I, yes. I Frasier. Oh my God. Yes. Frasier's great for that. I, I was going to say like watching Frasier felt like listening to talk radio, which oh, exists. Yeah. But I also like literally after watching the entire show was sort of like desperately looking for psychiatrists and then realized that there's not a lot of shows like the, the fictional show depicted on the sitcom Frasier and was like, oh, I guess I just have to keep watching it because you're right. Like you don't really necessarily have to see what's going on as long as you're tuning in and tuning out. That is true. I you, The first sentence you said did cut out. I heard something psychiatrist. What, what did you say? Oh, that I, that I realized after having watched Frasier, I sort of went looking for talk show psychiatrist shows that I could listen to while I was working. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and there are not as many as you would hope having finished 11 seasons of the show Frasier. There's just not. Yeah. I, you know, because when I think of other shows that also have a, like a premise of a psychiatrist or a therapist, the ones that I do think of are not comedies. You know, like I think of uh, I think of The Sopranos, the fact that Tony Soprano mm. was seeing Lorraine Bracco. Um, there was also a show on some cable network uh, in the last 10 years that revolved around a, a like a male therapist seeing his patients, but I'm fairly certain it was not a comedy. Um, so, um, and then more recently, this is a plug for a previous guest on this podcast. You should check out Frank Lesser, uh, who is a, a, a really great writer, just came out with a show on IMDb called You're Not a Monster, uh, with which has many uh, great voices in it, uh, including Kelsey Grammer, who plays a psychologist psychiatrist turned vampire bat i believe so it's an oh it's, it's an animated show and it revolves around uh like a therapist who sees monsters so that is a comedy and i would say maybe that might be the next thing for you to watch after if you ever need a break from fraser um <laughs> but but uh yes it is a, it's a very uh it's a very relaxing show do you have a, any a favorite character or more than one you know, I feel like it's one of those things where so many of the characters represent different aspects of, you know, like there are episodes where I'm like, I am totally a Frasier right now. There are episodes where I'm like, I am totally a Niles right now. And then there's, you know, I'm excited about this episode because as I was um, looking at some of the past episodes getting ready, I was like, and I'm definitely in so many ways. Like, I feel like Martin is forever going to be my uh -huh. alter ego self. Mm -hmm. um, like maybe if I'm Frasier and Niles, when other people see me, I'm a Martin secretly. <laughs> I see it to me. I feel like I'm starting to uh, like I, when I always think of when people say, are you a Carrie or a Samantha for, for <laughs> Sex and the City? Similarly, I feel the same way about Frasier now where for me, I'm like, I'm not just one character. I feel <laughs> I feel I can relate to the essence of multiple characters, including Niles's anxiety and living in the shadow of someone else, but also uh, Daphne's kookiness and Roz's uh, uh, sarcastic demeanor. I would say I can yeah. to relate 
relate to all of those. I can relate to all of those things. Separately, is there anything about the show that you feel like you can relate to at all? I'm just curious because I would say I myself am obviously very different from these, you know, male, older white men. And yet there are for me crossovers, especially with like being close with with my with my dad, things like that. But I'm curious. Do you feel like you have any personal connection to the show or anything you can relate to? Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually interesting because um, I've always sort of explained, I feel like 90s sitcoms in general are obviously really nostalgic if you grew up in the 90s, but also there, there's a lot of times when you're rewatching them where you're very aware of how, you know, how straight they are, how white they are, how problematic they are, Um and like friends comes to mind. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> I like to rewatch friends and I'm always like, yikes, even sex in the city. There's episodes. Like I always tell people, I'm like, can't watch the bisexuality episode of mm. sex in the city. Cause it is so deeply offensive that uh-huh. I just like, can't get through it. Sure. Um, and it's interesting cause I feel like with, with Frasier, there's sort of two sides of that, which is one is those moments happen a little less frequently. I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot fewer jokes at other people's expense in this show. Mm-hmm. A lot of the jokes are actually at the expense of the rich white men in the room. And those yes. rich white men are Frazier and Niles. And I think that it's it's sort of relieving as someone who has lived at the intersections <laughs> of, you know, I come from a working class background. Um, I'm a woman. I'm mixed race. Mm-hmm. I'm queer. And I spend my life talking about these things and thinking about them. So it's kind of a relief to see an opportunity to really laugh at a rich, straight, white dude who should have everything, but is like, in both cases, they're both just so awkward and <laughs> incapable that <laughs> that yeah. they often like, yeah, are just really being humbled by their experiences. But then I also think similarly that <laughs> sometimes it's like a guilty pleasure of watching a television show, like sort of having an experience where... I feel like the same reason I like Wes Anderson movies. I'm like, everyone is straight. Everyone is white. Everyone has means, which, you know, means that the plot on the show is not going to be like Roz is pregnant unexpectedly and wants to have a baby. Can she afford it? Like the Mm. question is never like, is there a systemic or institutional marginalization that will hold someone back? It's always just a question of like, what's the funniest thing that could happen right now? Mm -hmm. So that's a little liberating too. But I feel like, you know, just the general, like we're all people in the world trying to figure out like how to, you know, finagle our relationships and our careers. I definitely relate to Frazier's desire to sort of be public and successful um, as someone who does journalistic work and podcasting work. Um, and I I also really have always loved the ending of Frasier and that the show really isn't about a dude who, or a character even, who like finds love and has a family and everything's great at the end. Like the ending is really sort of everyone else is happy with those things. And I'm happy with starting a journey by myself and being on journeys by myself. And I think that Mm -hmm. that has always been something that I really love about the show. Well, what a perfect uh, intro into the topic of today's show. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I too uh, sort of like the way things ended, especially just even in that very last scene, because you, you don't even really know what happens. And, and I, and I, yeah. I, I, I like that. So today uh, I wanted to talk about uh, with you, given that, especially now that I know on a level of, you know, all the way from one to have I rewatched every season you have. So that, that, that puts you in a great position um, <laughs> to go back to uh, best episodes relating to travel. Because there's, I and I didn't think about it until recently, there are, in addition to the apartment and the studio, there have been uh, a bunch of episodes on the show that sort of involve mm, journeys. So I definitely, let, let's, let's go back to that last episode. But I wanted to start with the Winnebago. The Winnebago uh, is plays, I would say, an important role uh, in the show as there are some key episodes and key moments 
elements that involve the road warrior. That is the, that is the license plate. <laughs> that is the license plate on the back of Martin Crane's Winnebago. Now, before there was an episode specifically involving the road warrior, um, there was a very early episode that involves Frazier, Niles, Daphne and Martin all taking a road trip in in a Winnebago. That episode is called Travels with Martin. That was season one, episode 21. Things get complicated because they go across the Canadian border and don't tell Daphne who does not have, I believe, a visa. But the episode is interesting because I would say it's one of the early ones that uh, is a, a situation in which Frazier and Martin are trying to get better acquainted and better connected because they spent so many years uh, not speaking. Um, do you remember this episode? Yes, I rewatched it in preparation for this. <gasps> episode oh, well. yay. <laughs> Fantastic. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I uh, I thought this was a great episode, especially because you know, the fact that all, there's four people on this trip is because Frazier and Martin are both afraid that they're not going to have anything to talk about. So they bring the whole gang on the trip. <laughs> but I would say it elicits some very lovely conversations uh, between Martin and Frazier. Do you have like a like a favorite scene or a favorite moment or anything that sticks out to you from this episode? Well, you know, and speaking of sort of life imitating art and et cetera, I have always loved the sort of Winnebago subplot in the show because <laughs> my, I mean, my entire childhood was road trips. My mom hates to fly. Oh. Um, and she loves to drive. And mm -hmm. so we would like, you know, pack up the car and drive nonstop for two days to Florida or whatever from New Jersey. Um, and she sort of always on and off joked about us doing these trips in an RV, <laughs> a joke she and she continues to persist <laughs> to this day, trying to convince me that we should travel together in a very tiny and enclosed space in which we also sleep. Mm -hmm. Um and but I love what I love about this episode, too, is sort of how they end up in this Winnebago is, you know, Frazier feels guilty that uh, Roz is traveling to, I think, Ireland, where her mom was born. Mm -hmm. um, and Frazier feels bad that he's taking a solo trip and he comes home with all those brochures. Let's see the world. Let's see <laughs> Europe. Let's see the pyramids, whatever. <laughs> and Martin's like, no, I want to see America first, which is. Which is just like what rewatching the episode, I was like, I cannot believe this happens in this show because <laughs> I have turned into my mother, as we all inevitably do. And oh. I love road trips. And <laughs> when I moved across the country, I drove here from oh. from DC. I drove to Los Angeles. Um and so I was like, oh, rewatching this episode. Let's see what happens. And I just love the tension between each person's idea of sort of freedom on the mm -hmm, road. Mm -hmm. uh, Frazier saying, come on, like, we don't need a destination. The journey is the destination. And Martin being really unable to let go of knowing where he's going and following a map. And that's obviously how they end up in Canada is that Frazier refuses to let his dad sort of decide where they're going on this trip. Sure. Um, yeah. But I do love that tension of sort of they're both afraid of each other. And then at the same time, they're both looking for an adventure. They're just sort of looking for a different one, but they each end up getting a little bit of the trip they wanted originally and a little bit of the trip they were afraid of originally. Yeah. And, you know, I think I also love when uh, Martin sort of um, turns into like a cop um, in, in, in his like, as in, because Frasier, I, uh, Frasier and Niles are so different in the things that they enjoy doing, uh, you know, uh, compared to Martin. But then when they get into situations like one, like real life situations where there's problems like, oh, you know, Daphne might get, get in trouble uh, with immigration. He's the one that sort of kicks immediately into, all right, let's just, here's our excuse. It's the dog. I don't have a rabies tag for the dog. It was just like this very like smooth, like quick thing that he did uh, as opposed to Niles and Frazier who were both fully openly panicking. So <laughs> I do, I do love to see when Martin, uh, I don't know, I guess takes control and uh, I don't know, you kind of just 
understand some of his charm. And I, I, I thought he uh, fixed, he fi- figured out what to do very quickly. Oh, well, I was going to say, I also love like the flip side of, I feel like in these sorts of situations, whenever there's, um, any sort of travel, but especially in these Winnebago episodes, what you really also see is that Fraser and Niles, who are constantly like bickering with each other and, you know, trying to compete with each other in different ways, they sort of revert back into being little kids. And <laughs> yeah. uh, Martin, oh my God, yes, I like Martin in the episode in season one when he's in the Winnebago, I think someone like tries to cut him off or goes around him and he leans out the window and screams, can you see I got my kids in the car? <laughs> yeah. And I think there's sort of this mutual, like they band together when they need each other. That's um, right. And Daphne, because she's kooky, always ends up banding together somehow with Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see that a lot in this episode, the idea that the two of them are really just yearning to not have this trip become a repeat of all of their childhood vacations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they want to see historical destinations. They want to see um, these sort of tourist spots on the side of the road. And I feel like there's sort of this, I don't know, I felt like rewatching it that there's also this sort of through line of Martin is, you know, the average working class Joe who raised these two pretentious <laughs> upper middle class and really just upper class kids who now they have this sort of class barrier between themselves of what they like and how they communicate. And there's this idea, I think, in the Winnebago of of class mobility, excuse Mm -hmm. the pun, of just sort of seeing how (laughs) Frazier and Niles can code switch and sort of melt back into this experience they had growing up um, and sort of come to understand that orientation of their dad and this thing that they're afraid of or that they don't want to be associated with any more of their past also in these episodes becomes very like a source of comfort for them. Like mm-hmm. the Winnebago becomes the safe, you know, like they're in Canada, there's nothing they can do, but where are they sort of safe and in control inside the Winnebago? And, you know, so there's this That's right. sort of tug there, this like push and pull. One, It's so funny to me when I think of like, there've been a few moments where, or at least one in particular I'm thinking of where there, there's an episode where Niles gets, um, takes a job from uh, Donnie, Daphne's fiance, for a bit to sort of do some surveillance and get some photos, uh, sort of proving that I think somebody's cheating on their wife. And Niles doesn't want him to do it because he thinks it's dangerous. So he comes to meet him in the car. And it was it's either that episode or a different one where Niles is like, this is a sketchy neighborhood or something. And uh, and he's and he's like, I think that's a gang. And, and then and then Martin's like, those are his Hasidic Jews. <laughs> yes, I think that is that episode. And 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 combine that with the fact that like there's a very like earnest moment, at least in the episode with the surveillance, because Niles basically says like, or uh, Martin's upset because he's like, you don't want me here because you don't think I can take care of myself. And Niles is like, no, that has nothing to do with it. It just makes me remember how scared I was when I was a kid and you were a cop and I didn't know what was going to happen. And so I fully agree with you in mo- in these in these uh, in the Winnebago and sometimes in cars uh, you're making me think of another car episode in which <laughs> the, ta- the, the, the taxi driver goes into labor. <laughs> she goes into labor in the car. Uh, do you remember this episode? This yes, and 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 obvi- and of course, Fraser and Niles are absolutely useless. And uh, even though they have been to medical school, oh my god! I, at least even in being able to comfort this woman, and and Martin is the one that gets in the front seat and has says all the right things, and you know helps deliver this woman's baby. But it was very much once again. You do really watch these two revert back into being kids. That is absolutely true. Yeah. I also think now that you're making me think about cars, I'm thinking about the, um, (laughs) the episode with the, oh my God, what is it called? Where they, the focus group about Fraser's show. And he becomes obsessed with this man at the newspaper stand who is the one guy who's like, I don't like this (laughs) show for no reason. And he and Martin and Niles are sort of waiting in, um, a taxi, I think to, to go home and there's like an accident. So the traffic is stopped and Frazier has seen this man's newspaper stand and will eventually burn it down. Um, (laughs) And it's so funny because it's that idea of, you know, these are grown men with their geriatric father and their father is still sort of like, 
watching one son out the window <laughs> while another is sitting with him in the car. And of course, Niles is just afraid of everyone. <laughs> and yeah, like they, there's definitely that idea. And I mean, I think we see that in our own lives. Like I definitely feel like that is what we dread as adults when we are maybe traveling. Oh yeah. Um, or going back to something familiar with our families is, you know, oh my God, I'm going to turn into like the kid again. I'm not going to be able to you know, make the decisions because I'm going to be on a road trip with my mom or whatever. Um, and there's that sort of way you sort of, yeah, you fall back (laughs) into your old ways when you're in transit. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, interesting. Although I, I feel like I've been on maybe one road trip. Did you like those road trips for them or like the ones that you took with your mom? Oh my God. Yes. I mean, yeah. And you know, I always sort of remember them as just being a really fun sort of escape from, you know, the monotony of our day-to-day lives. Like, ooh, I get to sit in the back and like read a book and maybe go to bed and watch a bunch of stuff go by in the window. Like, I always felt like the trips were definitely um, something we all really enjoyed. Although it is crazy to me now to think back on my mother's demeanor Yeah. Uh, As an adult being like, what would I be doing right now if I had, you know, because my mom was a single mom. I'm like, what would I be doing if I had a four and five year old in the backseat while I was driving for, you know, 18 hours to Florida? I'm like, probably wouldn't have been having (laughs) as much fun as my mom always had. She always had so much fun on these trips. I mean, I would say the only overlap I have with that is uh, and, and this. Hey, I get this from my father for sure. I'd call myself frugal. And I remember because <laughs> my grandparents lived in Florida in Miami. So he thought it would be a great idea to see it because it would be so much cheaper to take a bus from Connecticut to Miami. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Yeah, that was 36 hours that I would I would never wish it upon my worst enemy. I think there's probably a difference, you know, just being in the car with your family versus what I've taken taken many, many a bus in my day, many Greyhound, many Peter Pans. Um, it's very much like a motel on wheels is what it is. You're just everyone's in each other's <laughs> business. Nobody wants to be there. And yeah, I honestly don't even have words to describe what it is like to take uh, a Greyhound bus from Connecticut to Miami. Needless to say, <laughs> he uh, he said after this entire ordeal, he said, nope, we're not doing this again. I was like, yeah, was it worth saving the money? He said, no. So um, I I imagine uh, if you're on in a transportation situation where it's people, just ones that you enjoy being around, I bet it can be fun and you have some control of the situation. It's probably fun. Yeah. And I mean, I think, too, that something you see when the Frasier crew is traveling together is the. I think one of the big changes, too, is like when you're a kid, the way you travel is the way your parent travels, right? Like if they want you to carry something in this pocket, put this in a backpack, have a backpack and a rolly suitcase, and that's it, then like that's how you're going to travel. They're your parents and they're going to make the rules and they're going to tell you like, we're getting off, we're getting on, we're transferring, whatever it is. But then when you're an adult, there's that, you know no, this is like how I, this is what makes me comfortable when I'm on a road trip or, you know, I think we see this a lot in this episode in season one. And then later when the road warrior is sort of their home traveling base in different situations of like, no, like I (laughs) don't want to stop there. You want to stop there. I, I don't want to carry that. You want to carry that. This Mm -hmm. is not fun for us. This is only fun for you. Um, So I think that, yeah, that's sort of a dynamic too with the difference between traveling with your fam as a kid and Mm -hmm. as a grown up. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics from personal stories to hot button issues. We cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Yeah, um, well... 
that that brings me to season seven, episode 12, Road Warrior. And in this episode, uh, the Crane men decide that they are going to drive towards Sun Valley uh, for a party for New Year. For to, Yeah, it's like an adventure so that they can get to this party to celebrate uh, the New Year. But when, Y2K. Y2K. No oh, man, is it weird to think about now. <laughs> so weird to think about. And, you know, I'll give it because pro- I'm not going to pretend that I fully remember. Y2K. I mean, I was alive, uh, but I do remember a lot of, I think, I feel like shows and uh, and pop culture trying to address this possible thing that could happen with Y2K with computers. Yes. Or, and I just, yes. I just love that. Uh, as far as I can remember from this episode, that is, there's nothing about that panic in this episode. The, the sheer panic around this episode is we must ring in the new year in a special way at this fancy <laughs> whatever party thing. Um, and so yeah, many... Yeah, Shayon Ray has burned down. <laughs> That's so right. they decide to go on a road to get to something else that's fabulous because there's no reservations left in Seattle. That's right. And so many hijinks hijinks ensue. One that uh, I always thought was funny and I still can't decide if it feels like classic Martin is the fact that he, and also fully dates this episode, is that he's so into the Austin Powers movie. Oh my God, I love it. (laughs) That was so... I love it so much. I think I could see it. I think I feels like a Martin film, probably. (laughs) I was obsessed with that franchise growing up, too. So watching... I do have a vivid memory of Y2K, but only because I went to a very horrific... I had a very horrific Y2K experience. I do remember... I remember that fear. Everyone was like, the computers will think it's 1900, (laughs) which I had, to this day, I don't understand why that would have been a big deal. I know, right? To this day, I'm like, so good. Like our our Microsoft Word processor would have said that the file was from the year 1900. Like who cares? I don't understand why this is a big deal. I didn't know if people thought we would actually go back in time. Like that was... seemed like <laughs> the vibe. <laughs> it was so, so odd. Um, well, maybe maybe the reason it wasn't addressed is because in the Winnebago, they were pretty much already ready for the apocalypse. Right? Like they sure. had a house on wheels. They were good to go. If That's there was right. no more electricity, they'd be running on fuel. They were fine. But yeah, I just, <laughs> I feel like the highlight of this episode is when Niles is like, I'm at this what are they? Red Cottage, Red Cabin, whatever. Yeah, the diner. Terrible restaurants. Um, I met this one in this city in Oregon. (laughs) Martin just screamed, shag me rotten. That's 300 (laughs) miles away. And I just always remember like trying to talk like Austin Powers as a kid. So I thought that was like such a fun little pop culture reference that they put in because they usually, you're right, like Frasier usually doesn't often touch real yeah, culture the no. way that other shows did in the 90s. Like they have their own fake celebrities and fake like the That's Barracuda right. and, you know, the children's <laughs> book author that Frazier was married to and all of this sort of um, like fictional or really sort of old fake opera stuff. stars. Yeah. Yes. That is, and that's, I think that's another reason that, you know, you can go back to this and not necessarily be reminded of age or, or the passage of time, just because things really are, it's its own uh, universe, which is really interesting. I also like in this episode, uh, just another reminder of just how out of touch Frasier is and, and, and uh, is when he goes to the diner with his dad, I think Niles is taking a nap and he goes, he goes, I'm going to have a conversation with, I don't know, like, any any town a USA or something. or something insane. He says something insane. Like, I'm going to go have a conversation with America or something. And then, yeah, tries to, like, start talking to this truck driver. And n- not surprisingly, it does not go the way that he hopes. No, the truck driver gets so deep on him. The yeah. truck driver is like, I have a deep interior life and you're not going to understand it just because you buy me a coffee. Get out of here just because you think I'm like an everyday man. <laughs> I also think this episode has a fun combination of um, Frasier being out of touch with the common man and that middle, that like middle class and working class 
background, but also Niles is just compulsive fear of oh. people who are not like millionaires and billionaires. Yeah. Like Niles waking up in a Winnebago <laughs> immediately assuming that these two people have stolen him. The elderly couple. Um, yeah. <laughs> like an elderly couple with like photos of their families hanging <laughs> up and like, and like she's smoking and drinking out of a mug that's like world's best grandma. <laughs> and he just is convinced that for some reason they've, they've stolen this Winnebago from the parking lot. Never mind how they got to the parking lot. <laughs> Um, and I just feel like it's so funny. And then of course the irony is that they're actually just such good people that she forces her husband to like turn around to return someone's pen That's right. at the other red cabin. And I, I like, think, sorry, just that one of my favorite things about Frasier too, is the, <laughs> the really good stacking of subplots until things reach this insane <laughs> boiling point, which in this episode, of course, is them getting pulled over by the police because Niles then calls the police and claims that he's being kidnapped in their car. That's right. Like there's just always this sort of every single tiny detail in Frasier ends up playing a part in the huge cataclysmic like explosion that will inevitably occur later on in the episode. I Yes. I love, I love, uh, the fact that, yes, they do get in trouble with the police. One thing that I remember that I really love about the end of the episode is how suddenly they're all on board because they want to make it to whatever border by midnight. So then they're all in tuxes, including the dog, including Eddie. Eddie is in a little <laughs> tux and they're like frantically driving over the border. And I thought it was so cute. I thought that was a very sweet moment before the arrest yes. <laughs> or after i can't remember frantically trying to get into the pacific time zone so that their new year's eve can matter that's right now one particular moment that sticks out to me there is an episode there's something that happens in a winnebago that does not involve a winnebago for the entire episode and that is uh the season finale season seven something borrowed something blue this is a two-part episode uh that is of course daphne's uh near wedding to donnie the the episode because it's a two-part episode so the season finale ends with niles heartbroken in the winnebago and then daphne shows up and they drive off into the sunset to go on a date N and i never never did i think about it until i decided to do an episode specifically about winnebago's and travel related episodes of the show i was like wow one of the most heartfelt moments of this show happens in a winnebago <laughs> yeah i mean i think um i was thinking about that too this idea that so the winnebago is so just you know it's martin's thing it's yeah. this reminder and and every time Martin talks about these sorts of road trippy things and like regular Joe things that he likes that Fraser and Niles don't understand the most confounding part of all of it is always that he'll be like well your mother loved these things and right. of course this mother that we only meet in the one episode where Fraser dates her basically doppelganger right. is you know she's supposed to be the one who makes them make sense and mm -hmm. so whenever that comes up it sort of is this bridge between Martin and his boys and I love that the Winnebago eventually just after season seven when he gets that Winnebago too because they have to buy it for him because <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're the too clock. excited that they might be Russian royalty oh and had and then turned out they were descended from like a Russian sex worker and had to like That's sell right. this thing. Um, <laughs> and so I think I love that it's Martin's thing. He's the patriarch and it's also a symbol of this long gone matriarch of the family and it's sort of where the crane clan like expands and comes back together. It's like where Daphne becomes a member of the family. It's where they stash Nigel when he's in town and they don't want him in the apartment. Um, oh, and of course yes. it's like where Martin and the boys like get to come back together again. And so I feel like it's this weird, like, you know, they get to just create this completely removed place where the characters can come together in new ways by removing them from like the typical sets that we normally see them in, which I think is true on any trip. Like sure. that's what travel is, right? Absolutely. You get to be like a stranger in the same land that you've always been in. Yes. I mean, I think that's where my sort of storybook like idea of 
um, road trips comes from uh, TV for sure. And just the possibilities of funny things that might happen and and the possible bonding that might happen. I definitely wouldn't want to go in a like I would probably want to go in a Winnebago with people that I love. The thought of doing it with people that I don't get along with. That sounds like a, a, a recipe for <laughs> for a nightmarish situation. But you've just reminded me. Yeah, there is. It's interesting. After season seven, the Winnebago um, or at least or also the brother, Nigel, I believe, is the brother that Daphne likes. Simon is the. Oh, um, you're right. No, yeah. it's OK. I've, I've, this is I mean, I have a Frasier podcast. That's why I'm here to to, <laughs> to give you these important, important details. But, yeah, it's interesting. You the the Winnebago is referenced so many times in season eight when he's uh, living there. Also, fun fact, I, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but Anthony Lepag- Lepaglia, who plays Simon uh, is also on uh, or was on, was it CSI? Uh, (laughs) I'm going to double check because this is so, so important to me. Yes, he was on um, (laughs) CSI. He played uh, Jack Malone. Just just and to me, it showed me his range because I remember him on CSI and I remember him as the bumbling, you know, idiot brother uh, on the show. I thought he was great. I thought he was a, a great addition, as I usually am not uh, a fan of late additions to sitcoms. I thought he uh, really came in swinging and really uh, played the annoying brother very well. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I think he's a fitting resident of the Winnebago because I feel like the oh yeah, there's always like an existential moment for Fraser and Niles when they're in this Winnebago and more broadly when they're traveling. But I feel like distinctly like, you know, when Niles and Daphne are in the Winnebago, Sure. They're not thinking, let's drive home in the only available vehicle where it doesn't belong to either of us with our spouses. <laughs> but they're actually, there's like that moment where they're on the road and Niles is like, let's just run away. Let's just never go back to Seattle. Let's just go to, you know, somewhere else and start a whole new life and <laughs> and actually talking about this as if it's like a feasible <laughs> notion. And, you know, like Frasier in, in the season one episode getting into this very like, I'm an, a virile American man explorer. I want to go to uncharted land. I want to just travel endlessly and like escape. And it's this weird, they love their lives so much. They're so into their routines. They're so into the same coffee drink that they get every day, the same time seeing the same people. And they like hate when they break out of that routine. But you put Frazier and Niles Crane in a Winnebago and suddenly they're having like existential thoughts about their lives, their (laughs) futures, their past, their families, where they belong in the universe. Like it's very... They have these very grounding, I think, and like hum- like humbling moments in some way, just mm-hmm. by nature of being in that space. I think you're right. Well, and this makes me think of uh, some some new some other locations, specifically uh, when uh, no, I'm no, I'm I'm screw it. I'm going straight to Voyage of the Damned. Voy- <laughs> Voyage of the Damned is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I mean, when you're talking about sort of having these ex- existential crises in, in close spaces, I fully agree with you. I was actually more recently thinking about why is the airport such a miserable place to which uh, I, was, I was stuck uh, at the airport uh, in Mexico City for a while with my boyfriend. And he was like, oh, I think it's all the waiting. It's like, yeah, I think all the waiting is what throws you into an existential crisis <laughs> is thinking about where you're <laughs> going. You know what? Okay. With that, I feel like I need to segue into a plane episode. Okay. So, uh, yes, uh, thinking about traveling and, and, um, and where it brings you in your mind. Uh, let's let's move into Frasier's imaginary friend. This episode um, <laughs> was when Frasier was sort of egged on by Raz to take a risk to do something exciting. Um, so in this case, he went to the airport with no plan. So then he started, oh, right. He was going to the airport to meet, I can't remember her name in the show, but played by actress Linda Hamilton. Somebody had been leaving him voicemails um, thinking that she was calling somebody else. And so then he realized she wasn't going to have a ride from the airport. So he shows up thinking that's going to be this grand romantic thing. They're going to fall in love. Turns out she's married. So then she leaves. He decides he starts flirting with this woman who's going to Acapulco, gets on the plane. 
Uh, and then wouldn't you know it um, when he tells her, oh, yeah, I only got on the plane because you got on the plane. She's like, OK, I'm going to switch seats now. And then that leads to a fun game of musical chairs because then he ends up sitting next to another woman who he thinks he's going to con- make a connection with. But she's sitting next to her husband, which then leads him to sit next to Celia Ward, who is the supermodel zoologist. Is this ringing any bells for you? Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. What a what a journey that ends on, which is that now his family does not believe that he is dating a super supermodel zoologist. Um but the point of 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 all of this was I do think it's funny that uh I don't know. I think sometimes at least in his case being at the airport <laughs> breeds irrationality apparently. Falling in love. Yes, yes. He ends up I feel like Fraser ends up like longing for love at the airport yeah. a lot. Like he goes there with uh, his Kate. boss and her cat. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I forgot about that. And that's always where he also realizes that he's made a huge <laughs> mistake usually. So um, similarly oh. to getting rejected by the first woman after buying the tickets to Acapulco, like it's, you know, he'll be, everything's amazing. And then they're at the airport and he realizes like, I hate cats. I think you're <laughs> annoying. I don't want more kids. Um, wow, yeah. Sort of all of this like, yeah, high drama that happens at the airport. That's right. But then, as uh, talking about the the series finale, I think that was the first time. Th- though you don't get your full answer, um, that feels like a, a satisfying conclusion to all of the times that he failed in in a plane or just at the airport, where he really took a huge, huge leap. And we really don't know if it pays off, but he seems feels yeah. pretty good about his gamble. So I feel good for yeah. him. Yeah. And I mean, he also... Um... He sort of has the same moment with Claire on the plane home from, oh God, Belize, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. where he starts asking like the employees who are cleaning the plane after it lands, like, how do you, what do you think I should do? Do you think she's she's the right woman for me? And he (sighs) reaches, and I think you're right, like there's this idea of travel and that's what I've always loved Like, I feel like there's, you know, there's a different vibe for every form of travel. And I love like the freedom and independence of traveling on the road. You know, there's no one who tells you what time you have to be ready. You can bring as many bags as you want. You can go in any route that you want. Uh, But then when you're on an airplane and you're staying in hotels, like that kind of trip, there's Mm -hmm. a very like, no one knows me and no one knows where I've been or what I've done. Mm. I can just be whoever I want in the airport and pretend that I've been that person for like 29 years and it'll be fine. And I think Frazier definitely falls into that existential trap all the time. Like if the road (laughs) returns him to his like primal place of searching for something bigger, then I think the airport is where Frazier is like, am I doing the right thing? (laughs) Like he has too much time to sit around and think when he is on a plane or in an airport. Yeah. Um, And yeah, he makes crazy decisions or tries to turn things into problems that are not problems. Yes. Speaking of uh, I'm trying to think of a good smooth segue into this, but thinking of uh, well, in in the case, so Frazier, I feel like let's see, at the airport gets himself into gets himself into some sicky situations. Now, with an episode like Voyage of the Damned, um, this is an episode that takes place uh, on a cruise to Alaska. In this particular episode, it's not really about him fixing something in his own life; it's trying to fix his brother's situation. So, in this episode. He he goes um, thinking he's going to be a huge celebrity giving a lecture on this cruise to Alaska when it turns out, you know, it's a lot of D-list celebrities, including <laughs> ones that don't exist, including the Barracuda and Giggles. Uh, <laughs> what is his name? Voyage. I'm going to look it up right now. Voyage of the Damned. Giggles. This is going to give me my answer. Giggles O'Shea, the comedy stylings of Giggle O'Shea. So he gets booked on the same cruise as Giggles O'Shea, and he's not happy about it. But then, yes, this leads to sort of a situation in which he wants to try and reunite Niles with Maris. uh, And then to me, and this is a perfect situation of small spaces equating to comedy because the whole gang, well, Martin, 
Frazier and Roz end up hiding in the shower of Maris's cabin uh, when she comes home. And then it turns out he, he, she was actually trying to have a romantic rendezvous with her husband, Niles. Uh, do you do you recall the scene in which they are all hiding in the shower? I thought that was yes, pretty funny. which I have like two feelings about this episode. One is not the first time that Frazier finds himself hiding in a woman's bathroom because oh, he's yes. not supposed to be in there, which That's is right. really strange. I remember. But I also think um, what I this episode is also one of those opportunities. It's kind of like a Winnebago on the sea yes. where everyone is having like their own distinct experience because the space is both big enough that they can do that and small enough that they're trapped with each other. Like how many times is Frazier like, help me with this situation that I've landed Niles in where I brought him on this cruise to escape Maris. You called Maris dad and got her to come on the cruise. And now you have to help me. And Martin's like, nope, because I want to go to the buffet. (laughs) (laughs) And is having like such an older man moment on this cruise ship. And where's Roz through all of this trying to sleep with the Barracuda? Or no, Um, she's well, she actually she gets hit on by the Barracuda and then she's like, he's gross. So there's right. So there's this woman that's, uh, I guess, attracted to Niles or well, she's she's horny. I'd say she's horny on the cruise, but she's a friend of Niles and Maris's tries to hit on Niles. Maris sees them and then gets a drink delivered by a waiter to be thrown in Niles's face. In the end, the Barracuda ends up sleeping with this friend of Maris and Niles. That's that's how it ends. <laughs> and he gives women a rose after oh, his show. Oh, yes. And no, it actually makes me cringe when he um he hits on he hits on Raz and he he does this thing with his teeth because he's the Barracuda where he goes I, I, you might not be able to hear that, but I just clicked my teeth together. And I, for some reason that I, I like, I can't stand that noise. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then she, and then uh, after that happens, I think Ross says like, okay, yeah, um, you're no, Fra- Frazier, you're right. We're on the voyage of the damned, which is the name of the episode. Yeah. But yeah, that was one of my favorite and episodes. And I think like, again, like all these other travel episodes, like traveling is quite frankly, I guess, looking at all of these episodes together is really just always a bummer for Frasier. Like I, Frasier's trips are always voyages of the damned. Like he goes on a cruise and what happens? He has the worst room. (laughs) He has a room with like no window or something. Like he keeps coming back to it. There's like hardly a shower. That's right. No window, very tiny. He realizes he's a nobody's He's dealing with drama. No one on the cruise ship knows who he is or wants or is interested in his being there. And, you know, similarly, when they are at sea with Claire at the beachfront resort, like what happens? They give away his room, his travel gets all messed up, and then he starts doubting that she is like even meant for him at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like traveling for Frasier is it's just how the only way that he will ever realize that like these delusions that he has about himself in his everyday life are patently false is he goes on a vacation and is like, oops. That's right. So always a very humbling and embarrassing experience for Frasier to travel. And what a great note to conclude this list of episodes. <laughs> um, I was actually thinking as we were talking all about all of this, I'm like, what uh, destination or, or what mode of transportation has he, has Frasier not yet taken? And the only one I can think of at the moment, because it's we're not there yet, is a spaceship. I think there'd be all kinds of crazy stuff that would happen. And actually, Carmen, on my, I did a live version of my podcast where I, um, I wrote three different sort of uh, Frasier meets another show sort of like scenarios. So like I did Frasier in space. I did Frasier as a crime show. And then I did one (laughs) one more, which which is escaping me right now. But Frasier in space is something that I would fully support. And I think it's uh, ripe for parody in terms of the kinds of hijinks that would happen uh, in space and what and what kind of crises uh, Frasier would have in space. Just thinking about love and life. Oh, my God. Yes, that would be amazing. Yeah. So maybe we can write that, you know, when the time comes. I don't know when that time will (laughs) ever come. Well, on that note, I think, you know, there's a lot to think about here, including this future Frasier reboot in space. But I want to thank Carmen Rios for stopping by. Carmen, thank you so much. I hope this was everything you dreamed it would be. Oh, my God. Thank you. It was everything and more. Oh, amazing. Um, So where can people find you? What are you up to? 
Yeah. I mean, if people want to keep up with sort of my writing, they can find me on Twitter at Carmen Rios, the three S's. Um, and if you find me on Instagram with the same handle, you'll get all the behind the scenes from my own road trips and travels. So, you know, I might not be in a Winnebago, but <laughs> hopefully I can keep up. One day. I could see <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. And I do have a website so people can find out more about me at CarmenFuckingRios.com. Oh, amazing. I don't think I've never seen... I, you must be the only one that has CarmenFuckingRios.com, I assume. <laughs> I would hope. All right. Well, thank you again, Carmen. And until next time, good night, Seattle. <laughs> 